0: and to claim CME CE credit. LP is a new family nurse practitioner, very interested in helping her patients address their medical issues through mindful lifestyle change. With obesity's connection to type 2 diabetes, hypertension, metabolic syndrome, and breast cancer in women, she knows this will be an important part of her work. Besides the questions of which diet to recommend, she is surprised to find that there's hundreds of apps available that help people lose weight. What should she recommend? Hi, this is Frank Domino, family physician and professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And joining me today to discuss the use of weight loss apps in treating obesity is Robert Baldor, family physician and professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and chair of the Department of Family Medicine at Bay State University of Massachusetts
1: Medical School. Bob, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Frank. It's good to be here. So um, we're talking, you we want to talk about weight loss. I think this is great, and for many of us, trying to tackle this big problem is, is right there. And uh, so how should we approach this with a patient? Where should we begin? All right, well, um, I feel
0: for LP because it, it's an overwhelming task, and the best data says that there are two critically important components to helping patients lo- lose weight. Um, one is consistently taking a dietary history. And this is not something that I was taught in medical school, and I think most people aren't taught um, in any medical education unless they're working with dietitians. Um, it's a very quick thing, asking patients to tell you everything they ate in the last 24 hours, and in some way, you tracking it for them. The second thing is probably the single most important thing you can do to help people lose weight, and that's to develop a certain mindfulness about how they're eating and how they're living. Um, if you look across the board at obesity research, the things that's most successful is helping people make conscious decisions about what they're eating, how much they're eating, and, and there are a variety of ways to help people do that. And the one that's become the most popular in the last 10 years are through phone-based
1: applications. Well, wow, mindfulness and and apps on the on the smartphone. Uh, you know, clearly that's uh, really where we need to be, and I think I hear more and more about that as well. What's uh, so are there particular apps that are? I mean, are these helpful to for patients? Do they have a, really a role in in wait-less? Are we seeing a benefit from them? I guess is the question.
0: Well, so this is this is really the thing. Um, everyone's looking for that holy grail app that's simple to use, fast, um, high patient uptake, and and ultimately successful at helping people lose weight. So if you're going to talk to patients about, um, uh, about weight loss, there are a number of parameters you want the app to do. And as I mentioned earlier, the first thing is mindfulness. They need to be able to quickly track what they're eating. Um, they need to, the, the data suggests that you have to weigh yourself and plot it every day. Um, and then there are a couple of other things that you can then focus on. Decreased processed foods, and increased vegetable fiber are probably the two food areas uh, along with decreased carbohydrate intake that we we help patients focus on. Exercise is another thing that, like changing how mindful you are of what you're eating, is helping people find ways to exercise and track that. And finally, getting enough water every day. These are the best studied um, activities that an app can help you do to lose weight. And and so um, finding that app has recently been studied, um, but
1: it there are so many it's hard to discern which is what. So that's great. So let me just review that again. So you're saying uh, so basic for advice for patients really is re- decrease the amount of processed foods that that people are, are are taking in. Really thinking about increasing your intake of fluids, water purely, and uh, vegetable fibers are, are a key piece and carbohydrates, limiting those as well. So as you, as you think about that, then, so um, I've got this, there are lots of apps. i got this great app. I can take a picture of a bottle of wine, and it actually will uh, take a picture of that label, and it'll tell me more about it and where I can find it and so on. Where's the app where I can take a picture of that? Well, uh, interestingly
0: enough, um, there was a recent publication that looked at um, photo app, an app on your phone where you take a picture of your plate and it was compared to um, just calorie tracking on an app. And they found that um, a variety of things. Again, those who use the app, whether it was the calorie counting or the photo app, lost weight. But only about 30% of the people who signed up for the study used either app <laughs> it's just because the apps don't know simple photo picture you would think that would be an easy sort of thing but because the picture needed to be analyzed it didn't provide that mindfulness training it didn't you could take a picture of a huge plate of spaghetti and meatballs and and it didn't say no that's a bad thing uh, the calorie counting was a little bit more aggressive in mindfulness but because it was cumbersome patients didn't really use it much and what they found is that after six months the average weight loss in, in those who use the app was only about six pounds. So it was about a pound per month. And that the calorie counting app was a bit more successful than the photo app. So I think we've, this study was important for me because I think it's, it's a good approximation, but it's, neither of these are there yet because of A, there was very low uptake in their use. One in three people actually tried to use the app with some regularity, and B, the weight loss was fairly minimal. I like to tell patients that if they change their behavior, even a small amount, they can lose a half a pound a week. And so that's two pounds a month. At six months, that's, that's 12 pounds. That's not unreasonable. And to lose, you know, half that is, is somewhat disappointing. But, you know, that's the photo app. In the future, a photo app that maybe gives you a great deal of feedback might be beneficial. I want to just point out that both of these apps do recommend that you get very consistent about weighing yourself and plotting it. And that was one of the areas that patients were not were poorly consistent on. Um, that daily feedback, that mindfulness task of writing down your weight or thinking well, as you're looking at that maybe cookie or that bowl of ice cream, oh, I've got to weigh myself tomorrow, that negative feedback improves outcomes. There's really good data on that, unfortunately, because people didn't consistently weigh themselves, they weren't able to reach that outcome.
1: So it sounds like mindfulness is a big piece of what you're saying and, and, and staying on top. I, I do have to also counter with, boy, you know, a pound a month, six pounds is great, as opposed to coming in to see me and being a pound heavier every month and being six pounds up. So I'm going to give them a 12-pound weight loss right there, Frank. <laughs> but, um, did, I agree. So, so it sounds like there is some benefit to these, mm-hmm. uh, to these apps for some patients, but it sounds like a bigger chore we have to do is motivating uh, the other folks to use something or to or to or to, to be on top of it um, so I don't know if can you reflect upon that piece a little
0: bit. well so it, you're absolutely right number one a pound a month is better than a pound up a month and so um, I, I totally agree with you there and and your other points very pertinent that two-thirds of the people didn't even though they enrolled in the study didn't didn't do it um, so the endpoint is an app that is extremely simple to use that um, provides the mindful feedback to the patient about what's good and what's bad. And we're getting closer. So um, within the last two months, Weight Watchers, for instance, released its new app. You don't have to go to meetings anymore. You can do everything on your phone. Um, it's, it's not inexpensive. It's more, somewhere in the range of 10 to $20 a month. Um, But if you went to meetings, it would cost you that or more and you'd have to leave your house. So that is is being studied and looks promising. Um, The Eat Right Now app is a wonderful app. It's very much focused on mindfulness training. The first couple weeks are just uh, brief videos and podcasts to help you get more in tune with the the food choices you make and why, and then it goes on to help you make better choices. There are, there's Noom, which is very popular, especially among younger populations that people like. It does require you put in a fair amount of information. So for the motivated patient, I really like it. But there are some other basic apps, Um, a wonderful app called Habit, where you put in what you want to track and it reminds you of paying attention to whatever you want to pay attention to. So if you want to uh, walk more or you want to, um, eat a snack before you get hungry or if you want to weigh yourself every morning, you set the timer, it's a quick button you push, and it records it. So there are some better apps, and they're being studied. Um, I suspect the future of weight loss is going to re- uh, revolve around some personalized digital technology, and I'm actually very excited. I think this study tells us there's, a, there's some new insights But right now, taking a picture
1: of your food is not the holy grail. Wow, that's great. Well, thank you, Frank. That's really helpful. And uh, I've been uh, really enjoying the apps on my phone for a variety of reasons, and I'm going to try some of these out. Great. Thanks, Bob. Practice pointer. Encouraging
0: patients to use mindfulness tools like cell phone-based apps may help them lose weight. Join us next time when we talk about the second leading cause of death in children in the United States. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.